Welcome to Extraordinary People, the podcast that highlights people who inspire others, have made significant contributions to the world, or who have overcome adversity. This show is hosted by Shirley Bogtel, author, educator, wife, mother, and grandparent. Learn more and subscribe today at ShirleyWachtel.com. And now, here's my grandma, Shirley Wachtel. Welcome to this episode of Extraordinary People. Today, I am so delighted to speak with Ace Marrero. And Ace is a New Jersey-born actor-producer who holds a BFA from Stevens College for Women. Yes, you that is correct. Um, <laughs> and recent credits include action sci-fi thriller interpreters, HBO's reboot of Perry Mason, a national Facebook commercial, as well as Ride Along 2, Sleepy Hollow, Scorpion, Criminal Minds, The Last Heist, and Roadside, just to name a few. As a producer, Ace has developed and sold films internationally through his company, Swim with the Fish Productions. One of his most recent projects, Shame of Thrones, the musical, an original stage show parodying the hit show Game of Thrones, had a multi-city run, including an extended viewing at the Jerry Orbach Theater in New York City. Ace toured with the production and originated the role of Cal Drogo. Um, so, and Ace is uh, in LA and lives with his wife, Erin Stegeman, and their two children, Adolfo and Alma, and of course, Wolfie the dog. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I before we get started, I just want to um, let you know that um, I first heard about Ace through my husband, who coached him at Perth Amboy Votech High School back in the day. And he was very impressed with him then. And he, we are all impressed with him today. So welcome, Ace. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm, I'm really excited and, and a little nervous, especially just, you know, knowing the connection to, to Coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he says all good things, not, nothing bad at all. Um, so uh, I... I Really curious uh, how a city boy like yourself, um, who's uh, interested in athletics and, you know, grew up in, um, you know, a community uh, where, you know, surrounded by family and, and all things that you know of would go into such a risky field as show business. And um, I'd like to know how you got started in that. Sure. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny because at least the the schools that, that I went to growing up, um, we didn't really have, you know, like a theater program or, you know, or anything like that, really, uh, especially uh, going to you know, to Perth Amway Votech, um, that was actually one of the first things I asked. I remember when going to meet with, I think it was the time, uh, at the time, the guidance counselor and principal, when my parents, you know, were taking me to, to potentially, um, you know, interview at the school. Um, if they had a band or some sort of theater department, because those were interests of mine. I, I was in band, you know, in grade school um, and, always liked the idea of being a performer and, and, and an actor. Um, like I said, you know, our, our program didn't necessarily have that. And 
that was one of the the sadder moments during the interview when they said no and, and obviously i learned that it, it was really more focused on trades at that point um but i i guess it really just started with i think probably a lot of people you know may relate to this where you, you grew up watching tv shows and films and and you just uh have an interest in in in, in things like that and and you know you're like oh i want to be on you know uh, on this TV show or in this movie, you know, I want to be a movie star. It's a very basic thing. And it just kind of grew really for me um, as I guess I became more involved. And, and, and looking back, I, I realized I was always on some sort of uh, stage, if you will. Right. Like even, even as an, uh, an athlete, you know, you're, 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 you're performing um, and, and usually in front of, of crowds of, of some sort. So, I think that interest was always just there. And when it came time for me to um, finish high school, I, I was playing sports uh, at the time in our school. Um, they had what was called an Ironman uh, award or trophy. And it was uh, it was awarded to, to an athlete, student athlete who played all three sports that the school had to offer, which were soccer, basketball and baseball. And I, you know, the, actually, um, Coach's old assistant, uh, Terry Regan, who was was my science teacher, he was uh, he was also the soccer coach. And he, you know, he he told me to 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 basically come play soccer. And I told him I've never even kicked a soccer ball in my life. But, you know, he he told me that I I would do fairly well, just given my uh, athletic ability. And and just I think what he saw was more of a drive, you know, to, to try to continue to do do well, even if I didn't know <laughs> what I was doing. Um, so I, I ended up doing that and becoming a state scholar athlete in soccer, ironically, my last couple of years of high school. And I knew I knew at the time I loved I loved athletics, um, but I knew I had the understanding that I, I you know, there was no way I was going to be a pro playing sports. I, 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 that, that wasn't sort of my end game. I, I didn't have that type of ability, but I loved playing. And it was one of the few things that I knew that I liked doing in life. And it was that sort of crossroads moment where, you know, I, I, like a lot of kids at that time, you know, military starts knocking on the doors of high schools. And um, I had a lot of family who had been in the military and I was really interested in the idea of joining the Air Force. And because of the background of me being uh, an electrician in training and having that trade under my belt, there there were different types of offers that they were looking to, to, to provide for somebody in my position, you know, going into the military, which I thought was, you know, as a kid lucrative, but also I liked the idea that they had sports programs that I could also, you know, potentially play, you know, uh, uh, if I, if I were to join. And I remember talking to my parents and they were just really against it. You know, they, they were nervous for me to join the military. And I remember, them coming back and we kind of just had this long sit down and, and they had talked to my uncle who was in the military for quite a while. I would say over 20 years at that point, he was in the air force and, and he really wasn't, you know, on board for the idea of me joining either. And this was, you know, I graduated high school in 2000. So this was, you know, before a lot of things bubbled and, and happened, you know? Uh, and so they, they were the ones they were, they sort of presented the idea. They said, you know, you always wanted to be an actor. What, what about, you know, going to the community college, Middlesex County College and, um, and studying there. 
And now I, at that point, had never even taken a standardized test because, you know, at the vocational school, you were there to 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 learn the tr- the trade. And I certainly had some some kids that I, you know, I was in, in class with who were taking SAT prep and all this stuff. But I knew I wasn't necessarily looking at college. So uh, that was never even on my radar. Um, but to get into Middlesex County College, obviously, you know, you just need a, a high school diploma, which which I was going to have by the time I was done. Um, so we enrolled, I enrolled in declared theater as a major and, um, you know, with the support of my parents, uh, which I think is, is rare for something like that, because a lot mm-hmm. of my friends don't, don't have that, you know, they, they were, they didn't have parents that were sort of, you know, driving the, the idea of that for them or, or even support it, you know, to this day, I was very lucky in that sense. Um, well, they so, saw yeah, it I, as, I, uh, even though it's a, a risky career choice um they saw it as less risky than joining the air force i'm sure that's that's what i'd say you know it's funny in that moment i you know i was a 17 18 year old kid i i was like oh this is just a lesser evil for them the idea right of you know Mm -hmm. me joining the air force or going to to study theater but also you know my parents were the ones who wanted me to go to the trade school to begin with they saw the value in learning a trade you know um Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if it was I don't know if it was they knew I wasn't interested in college or if they just knew the value of the trade, which, you know, that's something today I, I stand behind. And I, and I very much value what I took away from that. And, and ironically, you know, fast forwarding a, a little and I'll, and I'll get back to, to what I was saying. But my wife and I, we met in college. I ended up transferring to a BFA program, this, the Stevens College for Women. That's where we met. Mm-hmm. We were both in the same program, left with the same degree. And she was taking, you know, college prep courses since she was a sophomore. And, and I never took one SAT or a standardized test, you know, and we ended up at the same place with the same degree, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I had a trade. Um, but but anyway, yeah, they, they, I enrolled in, in, in college. And because I had that technical background, I was um, I my first semester I was enrolled in I, I believe it was stagecraft, which was sort of teaching you a little bit of behind the scenes of theater production. And I took really easily to 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 that class because I knew tools, I knew how to build things, you know, on a basic level. And um I just really accelerated fast. And I knew I was like, okay, I'm gonna use this as a way to get familiar with this new thing and get involved with these productions from behind you know like behind the curtain so to speak and then transition to in front of the curtain when the time's right and that's exactly what i did you know i i I worked on the school's production um you know building sets and 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 running crew and then the student production had their first show and i auditioned for that and i got cast as one of the leads in that and then it really just kept building from there i i ended up getting cast as a lead in in the next few student uh, i'm sorry the film um theater productions and and then when it came time for you know looking for what was next i had done three years at middlesex county college and my director and and um and teacher uh lynn winnick who she's she's sure. since passed um yeah i figured you, you, you know you her know right who is. yeah she's legend um yes she she really took me under her wing you know um and and she sat me down and she said you know I, i've been getting this pamphlet from this school, you know, for years. And, you know, I think at that point when you're, you're you're, a lot of the theater majors, 
it's it's more of a casual thing. It's community college, you know. I I don't know how many went on to to continue pursuing theater at that point, but I think she saw that I really wanted to, and the our our uh, chair at that point, um, Jay Siegfried, he had gone or he had I'm sorry directed at the school I ended up attending, Stevens College. So he knew of it, mm. and um, it was just this weird thing where. She recommended it, and it was the only school I applied to. You know, I I, I, I put all my eggs in the basket, and mm-hmm. he wrote me the letter of recommendation. I recorded my two monologues somewhere on, on Middlesex County College campus with him and and Lynn, and um, sent it in. And and you know, at that time, they were basically auditioning across the country, and they would take one or two males for their acting program, and then one or two males for their technical program or or dance department and i auditioned and i was i was i was their guy for that year i got picked to to attend stevens college and and uh, you know it's a partial program for for the males that were coming in and as as part of that department you the requirement was where you would obviously be in productions not not necessarily given roles but you'd, you'd audition and you would always be filled into whatever male parts needed to be played you know but also you were really and this was more of like the apprentice side of it you were building all the sets and working the crew if you weren't in them so it was really it's a three-year program and it's uh it's a around the clock experience it doesn't end you know for three years and then you in the summer there's no rest you go to their summer stock theater in iowa which they've owned for for decades and and you do 13 shows in nine weeks there and and you know it it was really starting that program where I realized, okay, I I was in it for like the, the sort of almost fantasy and fluff idea of being an actor in the beginning. And then as I started, you know, going through and being in production, I realized the work that went into it. And, and I really was, yeah, I strapped uh, my boots up and, and, and I knew that I was on board for the long haul. And um, the idea of show business to me really, just caught my attention. I love the the, the 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 being on stage, but I also love being off stage or behind the camera as well and learning the business side of things because I've always been, I mean, I've been working since I was 12 years old in some sort of way, you mm-hmm. know, uh, making jewelry, selling it on the streets or crafts or then getting jobs with the city. And I, I've just always, you know, we come from a blue collar family. So work was just not uh, foreign to me. Um, where is Stevens? Stevens College is in Columbia, Missouri. And uh, mm-hmm. it's it's the same city University of Missouri is in. So it's a huge college town, which was interesting to, to me. I didn't really know what that meant. But having had the experience, I loved it because it's a huge college town. But I'm in such a small private school within it. You know, it, it's it's all the buzz of the other schools. So you're, you're kind of removed from it as much as you want to be or you can go, you know, enjoy the city. Um but yeah, it's a small, small women's college. It's been around forever. And actually since uh, they've changed that theater program where uh, it's no longer for males, uh, a BFA program. It's like a certificate because of just a few lawsuits that have bubbled up in the last couple of years. And, and I guess realizing that what they were doing by saying as males, you can only do these programs was illegal you know, mm-hmm. in a sense. So, right. so, you know, for all those years, they were operating that way and they, they had to change it. So I was one of the, the last few classes to receive my BFA there actually. Um, but that was also 
the idea of going to Missouri, everyone was like, you're right by New York. Why are you not you know, targeting New York? And and I did look at SUNY Purchase. That was another school I was interested in because uh, their their program was really strong at the time. But if I'm being honest, I, I, I'm like, I grew up here. I, you know, this is home. Like, I want to go see other things. And sure. um, so, I, yeah, I like I said, I I put all hope in the basket of, of Missouri in this program. And then and thankfully it worked out. Now, now you've proven yourself, you know, in, in the school setting, but um, you still have a ways to go. So what um, had you at that point had your big break? And what do you consider your big break? And I guess the, the, the question to ask now is, did you get your big break before or after you made that decision to move to L.A.? Oh, um, when I moved to LA, yeah, I, I was I was pretty wet behind the ears. It was all very new to me. Still, I, I had graduated in two thousand five. Um, I moved back home. My wife graduated actually a year before me because she she was uh, she's younger than I am, but just the way it, the, it worked when I transferred in. Um, so she was actually in New York, um, New York City. She was living there for about a half a year by the time I graduated. So I moved back home and I worked at a, a Longhorn steak steakhouse mm-hmm. right near my house. And then I would go into the city three or four days a week and, and, and stay with her and, and I would audition. And I had some agents there from a modeling competition I had done years before. And um, I was auditioning for, for local student stuff and whatever I can do, really, you know, very basic things. I did an off Broadway show for I, it was like a week run then. And then in 2007 was when um, we moved to L.A. So, I, I, yeah, I really had not done much at all. And then I moved to L.A. and the writer's strike hit right away. Mm. And I, you know, but again, for me, I, I knew no difference, you know, because I, I was still auditioning for mostly non-union projects at that time. And and, and it, it was a little bit of a shell shock to witness how many people were just – in, in really dire, you know, dire situations with, you know, the writer's strike having impacted so many people and jobs immediately ending and people losing their houses and in and, and cars and on all sorts of things. I had actually booked this non-union show and it was 45 episodes of um, an educational series. And it was teaching it was teaching English to native Spanish speakers by using this device of like this soap opera so to speak for lack of a better word you know and it was they would craft each week's lesson into the script so as they're learning about money or the words or colors or whatnot it's all written into the script but they're able to follow this more narrative structure so it's not so you know just monotone and boring as a learning lesson but i definitely know people who have practiced their spanish and english by watching soap operas so it's not all that unusual it's not. It's not. And, and this is obviously broken down a, a much more simply. But, um, yeah, it, it, it kept me busy for the better part of a year during this whole strike. And then I kept auditioning. And like I said, the, the business I, as an actor, and it's just something I, I, you know, I actually speak to a lot of my friends about. And I, I have some people who, you know, who randomly reach out about things in, in this regards. But I just always I always identified as as an actor as me i'm 
the CEO of me. Like it's my business. You know, I, I think uh, uh, we are not right. taught generally that you are the business and you pay the agent and the manager 10%. They don't pay you 90%, you know? Mm. And, and, and I realized, well, especially when I got a manager eventually after an agent, I'm like, okay, my manager is more hands-on and more personal. And, you know, we, we, we chat all the time and the agent I realize is they're, they're a cold call. They're more, you know, they're just like the, the, the phone calls we get, they're going to pitch me and say, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. And they need to see me. I just did this show. But the minute they get a no, they're going to say, Shirley's the best thing. You know, she can do this part. It, it, they're just moving on to the next thing because that's, mm -hmm. that's what it is. And I understand that. And, you know, I think having those expectations really helped me early and, and having that understanding because I, I really have not gone into many agent meetings or, or representation meetings where I did not get uh, the interest of the company. Because I, I never pursued it like I was desperate for them. You know, I, I knew I'm I've, like I said, I've been working since I was a kid. I'm always going to be working. I'm not I'm not concerned about not working or not making my ends meet. I, I, I've been doing that and I've seen my family bust their tails to do that. And then other people around me, you know, um, and so I, I just said, you know, I, I'm always going to keep myself busy. I'm looking for a partner who can sort of match or come close to how hard I'm going to work for me, you know, and that was just always my motivation. And, um, and so when I moved here, I, 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 I you know, after that series, I, I felt strong about continuing on and looking for more work. And then I ended up meeting, uh, doing a student film where the director and I and the writer clicked really well. And he then did a he was doing his first feature and brought me on board wrote this script with me in mind because at the time this is before TikTok and all these things um i i was shooting a lot of videos like first person like perspective and just showing like oh this this these are aces workouts around la you know and i'd go to all these random spots outdoors and just kind of amassed a little following from doing something simple like that mostly from people that i knew <laughs> but the, that idea sparked in him an idea for a film and he wrote it, you know, with me in mind and we shot that. And then while we were filming that, I met his uh, classmate and he happened to have money that he wanted to invest in a project. And they did another film together and, and he brought me on board to produce. That's kind of how that sort of began. But right around that time, it was all sort of bubbling. And I had auditioned for ABC Hell. Uh, or they've they've been holding for a long time their diversity showcase, and you know they, they had six seven thousand submissions, you know, and and uh, they pick about twelve people, and I got picked for for that year, and I did that, and that wow. that definitely was a game changer for me after the showcase was done because they bring out all the top casting directors and agents and everything like that, and um, it really opened up a lot of the doors that I'm now mm. you know able to get into, you know, like people that were bringing me in for auditions, and I was. I was, you know, having callbacks for pilots because it was right around pilot season, which, you know, which is a big, very busy time for us as actors here. Um, so that was probably one of the bigger moments, you know, that, that really changed things for me. And then that, you know, that led to me booking, you know, all my network credits and, 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 and shows after that. But I don't know, as far as like a big break, the idea of that, I, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm still... I'm still far from that. I've definitely had a lot of great, you know, hits on, on things for sure. But, but 
I guess to me, if I were to define what that would mean, it's something that would probably lead to more long-term consistent work, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm still, I'm still right. trudging along and, and, you know, I, I don't have my, uh, you know, my first series under my belt or lead on a series for 20 episodes or whatnot, but, you know, definitely been close, really, really, mm-hmm. really, really close on a lot, but no, it, it's, yeah, I'm still hungry and, 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 and that's still just, you know, a part of it, but I've definitely had some really fun and, 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 and really beneficial experiences, but, the way I, I always just have a simple saying, it's just like, you know, I, I realize it's it's a marathon, you know, it's sad sure. to see a lot of people that come here and spend so much money and, and, and effort and time, which you can never get, get back, and who just give themselves, you know, a year to make it. And that's just... You know that it, that it's just not feasible. No, it's not. No. It's not possible. That, that, that I know idea that of somebody walking son, down the street. You know, it's just, yeah, and you're exactly. Just only as good as really your next job. You know, and you just got to right. keep going and keep you moving. You can't the whole rest time. on the last thing. Yeah. You. You. And I listened to your podcast with your son, and and you know I loved exactly what he had to say, and and I saw some of the comments even on his on his podcast, and it's true. It's like a lot of what he said it doesn't just apply to our business. That's just life. You know, you, 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 you keep, you know, you use your momentum to, to, to see how it can really help you hone in on whatever your next step of your goal is. And and that's kind of what it is. You know, I, 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 I you know, and I, you know, I'm sure just like how he's had that experience, you know, you hear people and you work with people who are like, Oh, we're going to work together on the next thing. And the next thing comes and they've moved on to a whole new thing. And the, you were not even thought of. And, and I don't take that personally, but you just have to know, again, you can't just put all your eggs in that basket and wait by the phone for things. You know, I, I you just Absolutely. keep going. And my, and that's, that's why I think I got into producing at that time because I realized I knew so many people that had so many different talents that were just waiting. And I, like I said, as a, I, I, I really feel like I hustled and, and continue to as an actor or auditioning for anything and, and knowing that it, it may not, this job may not pay my bills necessarily for this week even, but I may meet somebody who then I establish a relationship with and, and really like working with that who knows 10 years from now, that relationship pays off in a, in, in its own way in this, within the industry. And, um, I just wanted to keep moving, keep busy. You know, I, like I said, fall forward is just my simple motto, you know, like you're going to fall, but just fall forward, progress. That's it. And it's a and great just, way of looking at it. Yeah. Absolutely. Keep doing things. And, and, and the idea, I think being an, and growing up an athlete, just being a part of a team that really spoke to me. And, and I realized, okay, as an actor, I'm a part of the team, but as also a filmmaker, I have the ability to learn the different languages of the world within that world, you know, how, that, what sound people mean. Like I, and I bought, I purchased equipment to learn it just to be able to, to know what it means and, and speak to people. Because sometimes when things are moving, especially on those network shows or bigger productions, time is money. And in, in your, you know, you're in your day player on there, they don't have a lot of time to, to, to coddle you. And, and, you know, you're there because they assume you know how to do the job. And, and I've had several experiences where I know my knowledge of how things work behind the scenes. That was the only difference of, of me getting the screen time I did because, mm. you know, I, I just, you, there's just so much time that, that is sometimes spent on trying to figure things out. But if you know, okay, the sound guy's going to need to mic you up. I'm going to stand next to him. And, and, you know, just those things that you only learn with experience. Um, it just saves time. And, and, you know, they're losing light. We're shooting outdoors and, 
they're not going to set up all of the gear to, you know, tent me and prevent shadows and all this stuff. They're just going to move on because they've got the coverage for the leads that they need. But when you move fast, you know, you, you create more opportunities for yourself. And, and, or at least if you understand, you, you're, you're able to uh, possibly do that. Um, sure. So, you mentioned, yeah. um, you know, and rightly so, you know, you can't just give yourself a year. And if I make it great, and if I don't make it, I go home, you know, and um, so can right. you give us a little bit of a timeline on like, when did you move out to LA? When were you in that diversity showcase? Sure. Just so we have an idea. I moved to LA in 2007. And then I, let's see, I yeah, I was, I was, I booked that educational series. I started a job at um, an Asian fusion restaurant here. And I quickly realized that, you know, having worked at the steakhouse and then working here, I, it just, it wasn't even so much the stigma of being an actor waiter. I just emotionally, you know, and mentally I couldn't do that type of work. It was just too draining for me. Um, you know, as, as, you know, healthy humans, we shouldn't be depending on, on people. You know what I mean? Like you have to be able to do it for yourself. And it's like, my job was fully reliant on pleasing these people, you know, so that they pay me, you know, in a tip in the form of a tip. And it was just too much. And I realized as an actor, I have to do that every day. You know, I go on sometimes, you know, when it's busy, 10 job interviews in a week when people haven't interviewed for a job in 10 years. So mm. I, I already knew that, I wanted to maintain some sanity. So I couldn't work in that, that, that area. It just wasn't for me. So I got a job at Apple computers, uh, one of the retail stores. And um, I was motivated by the idea of, I had just, my aunt as a part as a, you know, like going away gifts. When I moved to LA, bought me my, my first Apple computer. And I realized there, that there was sound and, and video editing programs on there. So I, I, I was, just sort of a sponge before I got the job at Apple and just, I would attend all their free classes and learn because I'm, I knew I'd be able to use these, you know, these programs for, for myself as an actor, edit photos or, or create a reel for myself. And I taught myself all that stuff. And then I got a job there. And, um, and then I ended up doing my first stage show in LA, uh, production of Lacage full based off of, um, well, there's the movie The Birdcage that Nathan Lane and Robin Williams yep. did, and this, it's based off this this musical. But I did that, and that really sparked in me, like, just it reminded me how much I missed theater because I hadn't done theater in a bit at that point. And I auditioned for a production at Disney of Aladdin. They had a long-running uh, stage version of a lot and it was 45 minutes it was you know created and and put up by a broadway team back in oh geez i, I think it was early 2000s and aladdin was one of my favorite disney movies and characters so i auditioned for it and i got in and and that that was a big turning point for me i would say because i was just doing that i was just working as an actor and and doing theater which i loved and you know doing a part that i loved and I, that was in 2008, end of 2008, I was cast in that and did that for three years before I left on and off. I would only do weekends. So I had Monday through Friday to audition and do other productions. And then, um, at that time being involved with Disney, that's when I, I, it's, it was sort of putting my ear to audition for that showcase. And I did so and, and got cast in that in 2010. So 2010, I would say was the moment it really, um, yeah, that, that, that's when, when things started to change for me. And I, and I sort of entered that next 
that next step where I was auditioning for network shows uh, pretty consistently and, 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 and still, you know, still do. And, and it just kind of grew from there. So 2010 and then I booked my first the first show I booked was Law, um, Law and Order Los Angeles. Um, and I had a really great scene opposite Corey Stahl and Alfred Molina. And um, uh, I, yeah, I did that. And then I ended up booking an episode of what was the next? Oh, Body of Proof, which was a show on ABC starring Dana Delaney at the time. Yes. And I, I, I booked um, two episodes of that a recurring part uh, in a small, uh, small arc. And then shortly after that, I, I did an episode of um, Michael Patrick King's um, comedy Two Broke Girls, which was really great because that that's filmed sitcom, you know, in front of a live studio audience. Mm-hmm. Um, not every scene in the episode is because sometimes they have to pre-tape depending on locations they need. But my scene happened to be so it was theater. It was it was right back to where I, I you know, to where I came from. It, you know, you're rehearsing all week and then they load in the studio audience and you're doing it live. And and it terrified a lot of the actors. But for me, that was I mean, I performed in in front of crowds of 2000. You know, this was like 100 people in the studio audience wasn't going to throw me. But it, it was such a great experience. Um, and then I, I started to book um, bigger roles and guest star uh, roles on um shows like scorpion on cbs and then sleepy hollow and um yeah and then it's just kind of been this little progression <laughs> over, over the years and i booked my first studio movie uh and that's the ride along too with kevin hart and ice cube that, that you mentioned earlier which was which was a really great experience that was one of those things that you just i it was a lesson where i got sent the audition and they were like big bodybuilder um, bouncer types from Miami. And I'm like, this is not me. Like clearly, you know, like, uh, but sometimes they were looking for a Latin guy and I'm Latin. So they just throw me in, you know, and that, that's very common. I, I think that's changing a lot now, thankfully, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it, it, you'd go in and see all walks of light from, from, you know, the Latin community. And, and I'm like, I, I, yeah, I clearly, this gentleman who's six, eight, 400 pounds is the guy. <laughs> But I went in and I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm going to dress up in a suit, really sharp, and I'm going to just play it like I'm the head of everybody. And that's mm-hmm. not at all what they were looking for. But I'm like, that's me. That's my version. You know, I can go in and try to play at something and be horrible at it or just give them the best version of what I can do within their world. And I did it. I threw on a little Spanish accent and it was just like this kind of suave, like, guy at the door and i ended up booking it you know and mm-hmm. and it was it was just one of those things i'm like yeah you know don't give up don't say no before somebody how many else people no go, for you. go out for an audition of that sort mm, you know for for films like that I, I wouldn't guess as many as for tv because they're, they're it's a smaller group, I think, that they'll probably try to cast locally. And when I say that, I mean like people they know from their network. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, easily hundreds of submissions because, again, agents are just sitting there clicking the button. You know, they see a role pop up. They'll submit their 15, you know, actors from their roster that remotely fit the description. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how many they end up bringing in, I, I would probably say is under 100 or maybe under 50 even for those types of roles. Um, for TV, I think it's a lot greater, though, you know, th- those types of numbers. Um, I think it's also changed now 
and has been changing even pre-pandemic with the push for um, self-tapes, like being, you know, where you tape it at your house and send in the video. Um, I think they're realizing, you know, if I go in and it's a six-page scene and I walk in and they've cast somebody already that looks like me and they know they're not going to use me, they have to now sit there for six minutes, right, and, and entertain me and let me do my scene that I've prepared and maybe even give me a redirection so now that six minutes becomes 10 or 12 minutes. Whereas if I'm sending in my tape and they've just cast somebody minutes before opening my video, they're like, okay, we can't use this guy. They can move on to the next guy. You know, they're just mm -hmm. saving time. So I think I really don't see that changing. And I, it's been growing more and more, especially even being in LA. I'm, I'm having to submit myself for more projects casting in LA, uh, which is great because it opens more doors for me easier, but they're seeing way more people, I believe in that sense. And, you know, uh, as a result, so it, it, it is all changing. And I think, I think markets like Atlanta have really proven that they 95% of the time cast off of tapes like that. And mm -hmm. I think LA is realizing that, you know, especially with pandemic, that's, that's what we've been forced to do. But now they're really honing in on that idea, I believe. Right. Um, now, can you talk a little bit um, about some of your other projects, like the Game of Thrones parody, which I think is yeah. really amazing, um, especially oh, for people you. who've seen the series and read the books. And um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that and what your work was like with that concept. Right. I'd love to. I, I, I'm curious first, Shirley, are, are are you familiar with Game of Thrones? Are you a fan or watched? The I am. Show or read I am. Oh, really? yes. Have and I know many people who are as well. Oh, good. It's such a, yeah, obviously such a, a popular show. Um, but it's always fun to talk to somebody about like this show when, when they've, they've, you know, they're familiar with Game of Thrones. Um, so my wife and I, Erin, she, she's a writer and director and, and, and we produce a lot of uh, content together. Um, like I said, we met in an acting program. So she's, she's an actor too, but she's lately been drawn more to, to that work. And that's really what's been keeping her busy. Um, there was an ABC show called Once Upon a Time that aired for several seasons. And right. when, yeah, starring Jennifer Morrison. And when it was airing in the beginning, we, she started to get messages and phone calls asking if she had booked this show because she looked a lot like Jennifer Morrison. And we started to watch the show. We're, we're both big fans of Disney and, and, and you know, those types of, of stories, fairy tale and stuff. So we, we started to watch it and we came up with this idea where we should parody it somehow, you know, as her and, and then, um, you know, playing the part. And then my wife ran with it and, and created this whole world where basically she, she was going to create this story where all the outcast characters, because, you know, there, there's stories about on that show, you know, about Aladdin and, and Beauty and the Beast and all, all, all your standard Disney shows, but the, not all the characters are in there. So she was going to take it where all the characters that were not on the show were disgruntled at this sort of AA meeting, but for, you know, fairy tale characters like outcasts, essentially, and just play the comedy of all that. And we filmed one. And at that time, they had just um, they had just uh, introduced a character of Hook who she was like, you can play this, you know, throw on eyeliner. And I looked enough like him to be able to do it. And we had the outfits and stuff. 
and our little video that we shot, she wrote the script, directed it, and then we, you know, we hired a team to help us film it and, and, you know, get it off the ground. It ended up doing really, really well. And a lot of the fans of the original show were huge fans of, um, and they're really avid for any type of content. So they, they latched on to our thing. And then she just, you know, we, we were talking and we just decided to keep making these sort of webisode, you know, these, these four or five minute video of and create a season. So we did that. And one of the biggest things about the actual ABC show was the lack of music. You know, they're like, how can you do Disney characters and all this stuff and not have any musical numbers or anything? So my wife decided that she was going to write a musical and <laughs> she wrote, came home one day and, and wrote three songs at a Starbucks and <laughs> you read them out to me. We found music and we started like singing them out and just sort of doing like demos. And then she wrote essentially a feature film rock opera um, story. So we raised the money, produced all the music, you know, found a, a friend of ours who, who's a composer and a musician. And we worked with him and my wife, you know, wrote and composed a lot of the music with him. And yeah, we, we produced this thing, filmed it and, and, and toured the country different. We would target convention um, cities where these people would go to, you know, to speak to the actual actors from the real show. And then we'd rent a theater nearby the same weekend and sell tickets to our event. And then they would all come and, and, and watch. And, and, you know, ours was like an audience participation, almost like a Rocky Horror experience. So they can watch the movie and sing along and have a, just a great time. And from doing that, two of our friends that that um, my wife knew actually I, I i met them through her they had done a musical parody of lost the tv show lost mm -hmm. but they used all um it was all covers you know they, they it was like a jukebox musical they, they didn't create their original music for this but they had the idea and wrote a script for a game of thrones parody musical and they came to aaron and i knowing that we had done what we we did with our our movie and, and original music and they asked if we would want to come on board and at that time aaron could not get into game of thrones i was an avid fan so i was like we have to do this you know <laughs> and um yeah we came on board to work on the music uh to focus on the music production and then also co-produce it with them so yeah we just my my wife and i we plugged away um you know, started working on all the songs, brought in people to, to record with us. And, and I would be in there singing some demos with with her um, as we would compose songs. And and then, you know, fast forward, the show ended up, you know, we ended up mounting it in Los Angeles, ran for a while here. And then Comic-Con was coming in, in San Diego. So we found used what we did with our movie and said, let's rent a theater. All of these fans, avid Game of Thrones fans, are at Comic Con. It's our, it's definitely our demographic. Obviously, there's a huge influx of people there. Sure. And let's let's put on our production there. So we did, and it was a huge success. And 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 uh, we wish we had run another weekend there because it was such a great success. But we parlayed that into um, a run in New York, and that's when we went off Broadway at the Jerry Orbach Theater and ran there for a while. Um, and then came back to L.A. and and mounted another production of it, uh, coinciding with the final season airing here. So because our show was so it, there was a lot of audience participation and with comedy and parody, you can do a lot of that stuff. So we would we were crafting shows each night 
with sometimes suggestions from audience members and stuff. We, you know, we, we would have our structure of our show, but we had our moments where we knew we could have these these sort of special, uh, you know, experiences for, for the audience. And people just loved it. It's just one of those shows that, you know, to experience live is just so much fun because you're part of the show. And, you, you know, you become your own character in the show. And um, Do you have this streaming any place? You know, we don't. We, we, we've got it recorded. It's just one of those things that it's really hard to record theater, you know, mm-hmm. at, 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 at least, you know, with the budget we had available to us. Um, I do have it up somewhere. I can send it to you. It's not a public link, but you can right. watch it just as a, as a fan. And, and I, I, I'd, I'd love, to, you know, for you to watch it. It's a lot of fun and people love the music. It's really catchy. We they they wanted to go a little bit more traditional musical. But my, my wife and I, we went in the direction more of rock infused and um, and it, it really plays well to that. You know, when Ned starts coming out, jamming guitar, I mean, no, none of our actors play instruments in the show, but just as part of the, the parody. Um, right. And it, it, yeah, the music is really catchy. The, the music for sure is up. That That's up to and I can maybe share a link to that if, if anyone wants to, yeah. to listen to any of the music. Um, it, would be great to, it would be a great thing to get that out there. Yeah. because uh, it's You know, really we had tickets to see. Show. Yeah, we had tickets to see Hamilton and then the pandemic put an end to those plans but we were able to see it on tv and it was wonderful i had never seen it before and and but i'm sure it's absolutely not the same experience um so so you're you're an actor you're a producer where which side is pulling you more where do you see yourself headed it's a good question um and that's one that's definitely changed even within the last couple of months I, and i think that's probably because having you know it's like you want what you you know when you can't have it right so like our business has been really stripped down significantly in the last couple of months with with the pandemic and i my wife and i we were talking about this we had been focusing more on acting projects um because our last couple of years as you know, producers, whether it was theater or, or films of, of our own or, or other projects, it, it was really busy. It was really busy and it, it was it was just tiring simply, you know, and then obviously we had two kids. And, and, and when you're producing our, um, projects and, 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 you know, from the ground up, it's it's just you don't have enough hands as it is to be all hands on deck, you know, and we I think we both were just like, OK, let's let's focus on. <laughs> producing our family, you know, like let's get this in order. And and we're first time parents. Let's, let's, you know, be, this is more important right now, but lately uh, I've been really drawn to um, just finding some, some more projects. Again. And we've, we've have projects that we've been at various stages, but just really looking for, for, for the people to get involved with now that, because I think there's a different way to tell stories now that, that sort of, I don't want to say being forced upon us, but in a sense it is because of the pandemic and all these new creative um, ways people are telling stories. And the types of projects that we've created in the past have really been just not the normal types of, of products. So I think we, we, that, that just kind of speaks to us, you know, how can we get creative telling, you know, creating content within these limitations like that that a lot of people mm-hmm. are, are nervous about that and, and we just really thrive and, and get excited by that but i i when i produced my 
first feature back, I think it was 2010, we immediately turned that over into a new feature, did a second one within the same, you know, sort of calendar year. And then I, that was sort of the beginning. I kept producing projects after that. And it really, yeah, it really burnt me out. And and I had some experiences that were not favorable with some of the people that I, that I had worked with also that just kind of left a, a bad taste in my mouth. And, um, and I just, I was burnt out and I, I was like, I need to take a step back and just focus on acting stuff because ironically it was also they were also the best years as an actor for me and my growth was was shooting big time and i think a lot of that was because i was pre-creating my own projects and not worried about trying to find a job you know or or fighting tooth and nail for you know five lines on a show as as you know plumber number three when i know i had projects that i i had a substantial part in you know something that was really more in line with what i i want to do and yeah, but I was burnt out and, and I, I wanted to just focus on acting for a bit. But then as I did my first project, I, it was in an international project. They flew me out to uh, Colombia, Cartagena, Colombia. And it, it's a pro, uh, now it's called The Aviator, but originally it was called The Flight Plan. And I played a pilot who gets stranded in Colombia. And um, I have a son who's who's dying back home and I need to fly home. And it's just this real action thriller mm. experience. But when I was doing it, I realized... I missed being on the production side as well. You know, I, I just, I, my collaborative interests are just, they just stretch beyond being an actor. I realized, you know, and, mm. and, and, and it just didn't fulfill me alone. And, and I, I, I just love that team aspect of, of, you know, sitting down and talking about how we're going to do this. And I'm also, like I said, I just, I think I'm driven in a lot of areas people find challenges and, 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 and are f- afraid of where I'll go out and, and just talk to people. And, and like I said, I don't like to say no for people, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I'll make the ask and I'll re- I'll be reasonable, but let someone else say no. Cause you never know what, what may inspire somebody to work with you and, and, and or, or to help out. And yeah, I just missed a lot of that, that, that energy behind being on the production side. So that mm-hmm. was at that point, I, you know, I realized I, I, I needed to do both for sure. And I'm really drawn by as a producer, I'm not, you know, I'm not the person funding everything, you know, there's various types, but I, the creative process and developing and, and, and the influence over a story, because as an actor, you know, having to study you know, so much literature and theater and, and on all that and really like crafting, you know, f- figuring out what's, what's really being said within the script that's always just been a part of my influence as a producer as well. And, um, and just figuring out how to do things. And I, and I love the aesthetics of it. I I edit a lot on the side for like demo reels and stuff and, and, and smaller projects. And there's something about the storytelling within the edit as well that I'm, I'm drawn to. So I like, I just like so many elements of what goes into a production, whether it's stage or film. So I, I, I know I will always be an identify as like, I say actor, producer, actor, filmmaker, whatever, whatever that is. And, and eventually one day want to direct my own projects. Cause I, I, I do like, I do like, you know, just, just working with actors. I have a lot of actors that I'll coach as well. Um, who, who just, you know, have need help with auditions. And, and I just, I just love, you know, what, what we can pull out sometimes from just, you know, working with, with, with different performances. So I, I think that's sure. still growing. I'm still figuring out what that is, but I do know, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, just being an actor for sure is, is just not what's in the books for me. Right. And, um, just if you could briefly, um, 
address the diversity issue in Hollywood um, because you are of Latino heritage and I know things are changing rapidly. What do you, what, what's your assessment of the, um, the, uh, how quickly that is all going or do we need, do uh, I, we're certainly headed in the right direction, but right, uh, right. we're there yet. Oh, I, I don't think we're there yet, but it's definitely changing quickly. Um, I don't think it's a surprise, you know, for me to say that we're, we're definitely in a part of a culture and society like that, that term cancel culture. I think there's so many negative things that, you know, that are associated with it, I believe, but also there's something about accountability and, and the, the idea of that. I think is, is, you know, as is a part of that, that I really, I really think is, is, is something we need to embrace, you know, and, and maybe it's coming at such a strong angle and, and, and there's pushback on different ways, but at the core, I see people saying, we need this and you're not providing this. You're not, you know, you're not telling these stories, you know, now, does that mean to cancel outright? I don't know that necessarily. I agree with that, but I understand why why that's happening because sometimes that's that that may be the only thing that brings on change that we're starting to see right now. You know, so I think that that's a a pot that's brewing, and and we'll see what you know what recipe comes out at the end. But um, as a result, I do think we're starting to see a lot of changes quickly. Um, for for example, um, okay, I, I I think you would understand this. So. Coming from the East Coast, uh, we grew up just referring to ourselves as Spanish. Like I, we didn't, I didn't understand, you know, how that broke down differently. But that's just what, you know, whether you were Puerto Rican, Dominican, you know, Peruvian, like that's just what how we identified. And and um, I moved to LA, and when I was auditioning in New York, when they would look for Latin actors, I would see Puerto Rican, Dominicans, Peruvians, you know, like you'd see a, a good mix. When I moved to LA. It seemed quickly like, okay, it's it's mostly a Mexican um, concentration that they're looking for, but they're going to bring in anybody that says they're Latin, you know? Mm -hmm. And I had a problem with that because I didn't, I just, and this is tough because people are like, well, you're, you're not a killer, but you'd play a killer. But it, there was something about that that just didn't sit well with me because I knew how many talented Mexican actors there were. Like, I, I don't need to be there auditioning to play at something that, you know, and I, I just don't right. feel right. Like, I, I just had a, there was a weird conflict there. And, and yeah, like I said, people can argue from just devil advocate there for sure. But for me, that's just a personal thing. I didn't, I didn't. I just didn't respond to that. And I, it got to a point where I told my, my rep, I said, look, if they're just labeling this as Mexican, because that's just the, the label they put on things, you know, even though they're open to things, fine. If this is a story where his family came from Mexico, he's first generation, you know, I don't want any part of this because that's not right to me. Right, right. You know, if it's integral to the story, I'm not interested. I want that to be played by somebody who, you know, it, you know, who, whoever wants to do that can do that. But in my interest, that's just, I feel like those people, you know, like I, I shouldn't be taking that, 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 um, that opportunity from somebody that, that, that may speak to, you know, really just like when I, I watch sports movies sometimes and it drives me nuts when I see somebody shoot a basketball or throw a baseball and they don't know what they're doing. And I'm mm -hmm. like, 
cast an athlete. It drives right, me crazy, right. you know. So maybe um, that's where that stems from. <laughs> okay, Ace. One one question because we have to wrap up. One last sure. question, and just briefly. Um, you say that, you know, you haven't, maybe you haven't gotten that big breakthrough yet, but it seems like you're pretty successful, um, the way I look at it. And so what would be your best bit of advice for someone who would like to follow the path that you've been on? I think you, you, it was, you said it earlier, uh, you know, in our conversation that, you know, I'm learning and I think, I think it doesn't matter if my business or any business, like we're, we're all learning, right? Like it's every day is a different experience. I look back at things with, with, you know, with your husband, my coach, where after a game, and I'm sure he had his own whole work day and then he came to coach us. Uh, he would drive several of us home around the city and, and just take his time to do that. And now knowing he had his own family to get to, like that, that means a lot to me. It says a lot about his character and, and, and his care for us. And that's something I learned now as I have kids, you know, so I, I think it's all just about realizing you're learning and just keep soaking up experiences. And it's just about resilience. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think you just it's have to know it is, it is the it's journey. The it sounds journey. cliche, but, but it, it's, it, there's nothing that rings truer. It's just, it's about that process. And, and you never know what, what will be the thing that, that you know sparks your success in 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 even if it's just for a week on the show you know i've had those moments where they came to me and said that they saw this thing i did 10 years ago you know in 10 minutes uh we threw something together but that's just what it is you just have the experience have fun don't do it if you don't love it that's that's probably my biggest thing you know don't don't put yourself in a situation that that you're just not a fan of. You got to follow. You got to follow that passion. You got to have Absolutely. that support group. And you know what? My husband has always spoken so very highly of you, and now I really can see why. I've thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and oh, um, we are going to look for you and for your project in the days ahead. I don't think you're done yet. You're far from it. So thank you so far, much. Far Ace. From it. Thank you. And, and, and let him know. I mean, he's a part of my journey, just just like I am. I mean, it's, I, I'm influenced greatly by, by so many things. And, and like I said, I lost my dad and I realized when people, you know, I've had people who commented that they didn't like a project I was in or a performance or whatever. And, and I'm fine. I'm grateful for that because they took their time and they can get their money back for a DVD they don't like, but I can't repay time. I can't, you know, and so yeah. I, I will never take that for granted. And, and the people that have invested time in me, like, like I said, like your husband. So I just, just, just keep going, fall forward and, and yeah, just, just have fall fun along forward, the way. Fall forward. Okay. Thank you so much, Ace. And take care now. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shirley. Thanks for listening to this episode of Extraordinary People. To learn more about Shirley Wachtel and to subscribe to the show, head to ShirleyWachtel.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Extraordinary People. Extraordinary People.